Pope St. John Twenty-Third once said, consult not your fears, but your hopes and your dreams. Welcome to the 96th episode of St. Divna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want all of us to remember the importance of focusing on the good, keeping our thoughts on the positive, and working hard to fight against the impulse to dwell on the negative. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. to get us started with the news story about kids in Illinois being able to take five mental health days off of school each year. It's such a huge step toward recognizing the importance of good mental health, and we'll get some context from NPR. Students across Illinois will be able to take up to five excused mental health days starting in January. Under a bill signed into law last month, students who decide to take a mental health day will not be required to provide their school with a doctor's note and will be able to make up any work that was missed on their day off. Having this now for all students across the state will be really beneficial, especially with what's going on with COVID, State Representative Barbara Hernandez, who co-sponsored the bill, told the journal Courier. Many students feel stressed and have developed anxiety and depression because they're not able to see their teachers and friends and may have lower grades due to remote learning. According to the CDC, between March and May of last year, hospitals across the country saw a 24% increase in the number of mental health emergencies, visits by kids age 5 to 11 years old, and a 31% increase for kids 12 to 17. Once a student requests a second mental health day, a school counselor will reach out to their family and the student may be referred to get professional help according to the bill. So I am so excited about this for so many reasons. First, it recognizes the importance of taking care of our mental health no matter our age. Too often kids, and especially young kids, are treated like their emotional health can make it through anything. They're expected to show up and perform at school no matter what's going on in their life at home. And this provides an opportunity for them to take the time they need to feel safe and recharge. Even better, it doesn't just allow them to take days off, but it also triggers a response from the school to reach out and offer them connection to the care they need. Such a crucial step for kids and their families. So conversations can start to happen that move families in the direction of wellness. I only hope that other states around the country will notice and consider making a similar move to help their own kids. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm going to introduce you to St. Joan of the Cross. Born in 1666 near Anjou, France, Jeanne was the youngest of 12 children. According to Wikipedia, throughout much of her childhood and early life, she was described as very selfish, thinking only of herself. Her father was a draper, and her mother ran a shop selling religious goods, catering to pilgrims at the local shrine to the Blessed Virgin Mary under the title of Our Lady of Ardillier. I hope I did that right. When Jeanne's mother died, she, she took over the shop when she was just 25 years old. And in an effort to make even more money, she opened the shop on Sundays, something that their mother never did out of respect for the Lord's Day. We'll go back to Wikipedia for what happened next on Pentecost 1693. 
Jean encountered a poor widow and pilgrim from Rennes named Francois Fouché, who predicted that Jean would one day spend her life in care of the poor. Though Jean was already a devout person, the prediction was met with skepticism, but as time passed, caring for the less fortunate is exactly what she came to do. She began caring for orphans and living a truly spiritual life to the point where she eventually closed the family business to commit herself more fully to this work. As she converted her ways, many doubted her sincerity, but she was not discouraged. Jean, along with other women who shared her vision of helping the needy, founded the Sisters of St. Anne of Providence of Samur. The congregation was formally approved by the Vatican in 1704. She died in 1736, and at the time of her death, there were 12 communities of her sisters across the country. And I just think she's a fantastic patron for us, someone whose conversion was doubted, someone who turned from a life of selfishness to a life of selflessness, truly a sign that God can do anything with any of us. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. Dear Jesus, help me to recognize that you love me so deeply that you want to be an active participant in all domains of my life. Help me to include you in all that I do. Amen. And now, you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Anonymous gets us started. The wife of one of my best friends was recently diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. It's a relief to have a diagnosis, but her behavior had put great strain on their marriage, culminating in her threatening violence against my friend, a protective order, and a short-term involuntary commitment. As a result, the wife will be living apart from my friend and their children for at least the next six months as she starts to receive treatment. My friend is open to reconciling with his wife, but knows that it takes time for treatment to be effective and that there will be steps back as well steps forward for her. How can I best support my friend as he discerns repairing their marriage? He is finding a therapist for himself, and I will definitely continue to encourage him in that. So let's start by praying for Anonymous's friend, his wife, and children, Anonymous himself trying to be a good support, and everyone living with borderline personality disorder for peace in their hearts and understanding from their families. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. We like to start off around here with definitions, especially when it comes to an experience like borderline personality disorder. It's one that unfairly carries a lot of stigma and misunderstanding. So let's try to clear it all up with what BPD actually is. We'll go with the Mayo Clinic here. Borderline personality disorder affects how you feel about yourself, how you relate to others, and how you behave. Signs and symptoms may include an intense fear of abandonment, even going to extreme measures to avoid real or imagined separation or rejection. A pattern of unstable, intense relationships, such as idealizing someone one moment and then suddenly believing the person doesn't care enough or is cruel. Rapid changes in self-identity and self-image that include shifting goals and values and seeing yourself as bad or as if you don't exist at all. Periods of stress-related paranoia and loss of contact with reality lasting from a few minutes to a few hours. Impulsive and risky behaviors such as gambling, reckless driving, unsafe sex, spending sprees, binge eating, or drug abuse, or sabotaging success by suddenly quitting a job and ending a positive relationship. 
suicidal threats or behavior or self-injury, often in response to fear of separation or rejection. Wide mood swings lasting from a few hours to a few days, which can include intense happiness, irritability, shame, or anxiety. Ongoing feelings of emptiness and inappropriate intense anger, such as frequently losing your temper, being sarcastic or bitter, or having physical fights. Back to me, it can be uh, indeed difficult to be in a relationship with someone living with borderline personality disorder, but thanks be to God, there are effective treatments that can help both individuals and couples living with this experience. It sounds like a great blessing that your friend is reaching out for therapy and that his wife is getting some intensive treatment to find wellness. Let's look at some tips for how to cope with a situation like this via everyday health. Seek out information. Learning as much as possible about BPD can increase empathy in a partnership. If you're the partner affected by BPD, educating yourself about the disorder can help give an explanation for your feelings and behaviors and help ease your shame. Get help. Seeking support from a mental health counselor or therapist separately or as a couple can help people affected by BPD gain insight, communicate more effectively, resolve conflict, and strengthen their relationship. Practice healthy communication. When you communicate, don't say anything that could make the person with BPD feel slighted or uncared for. Actively listen and do your best to respond in a positive way. Ask open-ended questions. If you're partner to someone with a disorder, if you are a partner to someone with a disorder, it's important to speak objectively and keep in mind that BPD can cause people to misconstrue what others say to them. Asking open-ended questions can also help them feel that they're being heard, such as "I think." Talk only when your partner is calm. A severe episode of BPD is not the time to tackle potential sensitive topics like the cleanliness of your living room or your family budget. Doing so may lead your partner with BPD to make irrational decisions. He or she is also more likely to be defensive, pull away, or turn to self-harm behaviors when the symptoms are uncontrolled. Offer support. Partners should provide the person with BPD understanding and emotional support and encourage and support their treatment. Avoid labeling or blaming. It's important to be careful not to blame everything the person with BPD says or does on their mental illness. Take threats seriously. Threats of self-harm or suicide should never become a form of blackmail in the relationship, but they must be taken seriously regardless of whether you believe the person plans to follow through or not. Prioritize self-care. Likewise, being in a relationship with someone who has BPD can feel all-consuming, but it's important to seek out your own support system and have a healthy outlet to deal with stress. And last, know that you can live a normal life with borderline personality disorder. So hopefully this gives insight into how your friend might be coping, what he can do. For you as a friend, I would suggest keeping it simple. Be a good listener. Be non-judgmental in terms of their decisions and how to handle the situation. Be open to all the feelings your friend might be going through without pulling away because the situation or feelings might be intense. And 100% take care of yourself as the friend. Monitor your own emotions relate, uh, related to supporting your friend and take care of yourself. It's really great to be a friend to someone in a need like this. But one thing we also have to do is to make sure we're being the friend and let the therapist be the therapist and the doctors be the doctors, etc. rather than taking on too much, if all of that makes sense. Be assured of our prayers moving forward. Tom is up next. I wonder about exploring the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother, and Catholic charity alongside dealing with a parent who has mental illness like a personality disorder. What are some suggestions for how to set healthy boundaries and limits while being caring? To start, let's join together in prayer. 
that our guardian angels may help us along the difficult journey of honoring our fathers and mothers while ensuring that we take steps to maintain our own mental and emotional well-being in the process. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. So thank you for this question, Tom. I think it's relevant to so many of us, and I'm grateful to explore it. Let's get started with this. Honoring our mother and father does not mean that God is asking us to sacrifice our own mental and emotional well-being. When we've lived through experiences that have showed us the importance of setting up boundaries, that action to keep ourselves safe actually becomes a way of honoring our parents. I like to think of it this way. When our parents experience a personality disorder that makes it difficult for them to be in a relationship with us, setting boundaries is a way to help them precisely because they don't want to hurt us. They're experiencing a mental health condition that might lead them to make choices or say things that will hurt us, and that's the illness, not them. And typically they feel guilty and ashamed afterwards. So if we look at our lives and see the importance of setting boundaries for our own mental health, keeping us safe from those kinds of situations, we can also recognize that by preventing them from hurting us, we're actually helping them as well. And boundaries can be very, uh, boundaries can vary, right? They can be something as small as I'm not going to continue a conversation when you start yelling or something like if we're going to have a relationship, you're going to need to engage in some kind of treatment to help take care of yourself. Or even something as serious as, I need some space from you right now and I'm not going to be able to be in a relationship with you at this time even though I still love you and I want what's best for you. None of these statements mean that we don't honor our parent. Far from it. We're actually trying to help them while we help ourselves by setting boundaries and perhaps that's the best we can do in terms of honoring them at this moment as God demands. So be at peace, set boundaries when you need to, and know that God wants you to be safe, experience that peace, and for your parent to get all the help they need as well. Before moving on, here are a few tips from how, on how to set healthy boundaries with parents from mindbodygreen.com. Be clear and concise. It is difficult for me when you drop by unexpectedly. Moving forward, can you call first? And remember, I can only spend time with you on the weekends. Be assertive and compassionate. This includes maintaining eye contact, maintaining a sense of calm, being open to having a conversation, actively listening to the other person, monitoring your tone, having a straight posture, and being direct. Demonstrate appreciation. For example, if you have a parent that ongoingly interferes in your relationship, you can state that you appreciate their concern for you or appreciate that they want what's best for you, but you also would like for them to stop trying to get involved in your romances because you are capable of making your own decision. Practice the broken record technique. If your parents combat your request for healthy boundaries, try the broken record technique. This is a practice in assertive communication where you do not engage in tangents, arguments, or circular conversations. Rather, you continue to repeat your needs clearly and concisely over and over. This demonstrates that you are sticking to your boundaries and are not interested in engaging in an argument or negotiation about your boundaries. Know your limits. Take the time to be clear about what you're willing to tolerate and not tolerate from them, where you will draw the line. For example, can you only manage talking on the phone with your parents once a month every day? There's nothing wrong with uh, wanting to set limits with your parents. And last, release any guilt you have about setting boundaries. Setting boundaries with parents can stir up feelings of doubt, fear, and guilt. In order for us to be able to practice assertive communication and compassion toward ourselves, we have to practice recognizing feelings of guilt around setting boundaries. I hope that helps. Kelly wraps us up. I've been having a lot of anxiety centered around the state of the world, 
and the climate crisis recently, and I'm getting help for it, but would appreciate prayers as well. So let's start by praying for Kelly, for relief from her anxiety, and for our world that we might follow God's plan for taking care of our planet and each other. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Well, let's make sure we lead with this. Climate anxiety and anxiety about the state of the world is real, it's normal, and it's something we can work our way through. We'll start with some context from The Guardian. There's growing recognition in the field of psychology that people are experiencing distress over climate change. More than 40% of Americans felt disgusted or helpless about climate change, according to a 2020 survey published by Yale University. A 2020 poll from the APA found that more than half of respondents were somewhat or extremely anxious about the effects of climate change on their own mental health. Though not officially classified in the DSM-5, the tome therapist used to classify and treat mental illness, there's a name for the state of despair that has emerged from academic texts and media as recently as 2007, eco-anxiety. Therapists differ in how they handle and help clients cope with the situation. Mindfulness-based approaches can help people cope with the intense emotions associated with climate anxiety and grief. For example, therapists might walk clients through a guided meditation in which they imagine themselves in a peaceful setting or have them tune into specific sensations their body experiences as they think about climate change. Cognitive behavioral therapy, which focuses on addressing unhealthy ways of thinking, can help clients paralyzed by distressed thoughts about climate change. Climate-informed therapists also encourage activism and time in nature as a way to cope. So back to me. It's natural to feel this sense of anxiety, and there are not only things you can do about it with a therapist, but also some coping skills that might bring relief in the comfort of your own home. Healthline gives us some ideas. Talk about it. You might worry that discussing climate change will make you feel worse, but talking through fear often helps dull its intensity. Making space to discuss something that may alter our future allows us to begin expressing and coming to terms with our concerns. Next, appreciate nature. Ensuring opportunities to enjoy nature helps us become more familiar with our natural world, and getting outside is always good for our mood and anxiety. And last, connect with your community. Participating in neighborhood gathering, trash pickups, or waste reduction efforts can also reduce feelings of eco-anxiety. Working with others who also want to protect the environment can increase your sense of connection and ease the sensation of struggling alone. And of course, yes, please know that we are all praying for you. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in a future episode. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. You can also head on over to Ave Maria's website to pre-order the St. Dymphna's Playbook book that's due out in November. Until next time, go easy on yourselves, take care of yourselves, and if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you, and so will St. Dymphna.